Um, if we haven't met, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I have the awesome privilege of closing out this series that we've been in for the past four weeks called Say What? Leaning Into the Message of Jesus. And this series has focused in on the central message of Jesus, and that is the kingdom of God. As Scott has said, it's a subject that he talked about 80 times in the Gospels. And so I don't have time to, to recap the past four weeks. So if you missed any of those weeks, I strongly recommend that either maybe later today or tomorrow, you go back home and you watch those messages. If you just go to prescottcornerstone.com, all those are linked up on our webpage. But you just have to take my word for it and trust me that it is worth the time investment. Because if I'm honest with you, I'm just speaking for myself, but this series has messed me up more so than any other series that I think we've ever gone through as a church, in, in a good way. And man, I, I don't know about you, but just, just these, these past few weeks, God has, has been doing something in me and, and moving me and, and changing me. And so um, I just want to take you back to that moment when, when I... When I realized God was doing this, this work in my heart, because what I've discovered over these weeks is that my heart has actually been drifting. My focus has been drifting. I've been looking at the wrong thing. And we all know that when our focus shifts, our priorities shift. We tend to prioritize the thing that we look at. And I was just simply looking at the wrong things. And God has used this series to convict me of the fact that my focus really wasn't on God's kingdom. My focus really was on the establishment of my own kingdom. And that drift in my life was subtle, and I think that's why it, it uh, went unnoticed in my life for some time. Because I never woke up one day and said, man, I'm just tired of serving God's kingdom. I'm going to go make a name for myself and build my own kingdom. I never woke up and, and said that. It, it, was, it was more subtle. So I want to take you back to that moment that I realized things weren't right in my heart. Many of you guys remember the first, um, the first week that we did this. We read through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We had a bunch of readers up here on stage, and we actually read through the whole Sermon on the Mount. And then one of Scott's next steps was for us to go back later that, re- that week and then reread the Sermon on the Mount. And so that's what I did. You know, Sunday did church. I was excited. The next week rolled around. Um, I left the office a little bit early. I had my hammock in my hand, and I went out to the woods. It was my favorite place to be. It doesn't matter if I'm riding a mountain bike or hiking or just sitting there. I love being in the forest. So I pinched my, tent, or my uh, um, hammock up between two trees, kind of like this, just laid down in it, and I read the Sermon on the Mount. Read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and then I just laid there for a little bit. I folded my Bible up, just kind of tucked it away, and I just tried to marinate in those words that I had just read. As I'm laying there, I'm watching the birds kind of dance from branch to branch. I'm watching those tall pine trees just sway back and forth in the wind. And then it happened. It was just like an instant. This question came to me with what felt like the weight of a two-ton boulder on my soul. And it's not like God parted the skies and spoke to me in this audible voice. It was just this thought that I had. But I, I knew, man, this is God speaking to me. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, where you just, you're doing whatever, and then all of a sudden this, this thought pops up, and you're like, I think that's God trying to tell me something. 
And this question came to me, and it's a question that I want to ask you this morning. And it's this. If God were to answer my last prayer request, what would happen? Just think about that for a minute. If God were to answer my last prayer request, the last thing that I requested of from God, what would happen? I know some people in the room are like, apparently nothing because I don't remember my last prayer request. And that's all right. But what would happen if God were to answer your last prayer request? Would students who just graduated, would you have straight A's on your report card? That was a prayer of mine, right? Going through college. God, help me to get this A. I don't want to study. Just help me get an A. Would you have a front row parking spot? Would you maybe get that last donut in the lobby? Well, you guys are second service, so you don't stand a chance of getting the last donut. But what, what would happen? Would one of your loved ones be walking around right now with the hedge of protection? You know what I'm talking about? You know, Christians pray for weird things sometimes. And I'm not saying that you can't pray for the hedge of protection. But just, just think about what would happen if God were to answer your last prayer request? Would something like that happen? Or would maybe a family member or a friend or a coworker or a loved one place their faith in Jesus and have their lives changed for eternity? Or would that sin that has enslaved you for so long finally lose its grip and for the first time in a long time you actually taste freedom? Or would you finally say yes to that thing that you know God has been calling you to do but you've just been putting it off? In short, if God were to answer your last prayer request, would your kingdom be a little bit more safe, secure, and comfortable, or would his kingdom be increasing and advancing? I'm laying there in that hammock, and I'm honestly answering this question, and I realize if God were to answer not only my last prayer request, but my last like 10 or 15, then my kingdom would be way more safe and secure and comfortable. My prayers really had little to do with God's kingdom. And now I recognize that it's not bad to pray for security. It's not bad to pray for safety. I'm not saying it's bad to pray for any of those things. But for me personally, I was deeply convicted of the fact that my prayer life has really focused more on me and my kingdom than it has on God and his kingdom. And I, I was just convicted of that. And, and I spent a lot of time in that hammock that day just confessing and repenting. And I, for one, am so glad. Man, I had issues with this earlier today too. I am so glad that my sin is no match for God's grace. That was, that was the thought that kind of came to me in that hammock. Maybe some of you guys can, can relate I was just, just sitting there as I was confessing this and realizing, man, my heart is, is just focused in on the wrong things. I was just so grateful for God's grace because God met me there on that hammock and it wasn't in this like condemning kind of scolding way. He, he just comforted me. He met me there and it was like he put his arms around me and just said, Josh, I am just so glad that you slowed down enough to realize that this was going on in your life. Because oftentimes we can just get so busy that we don't, we don't take enough time to, to just slow down and hear what God's trying to tell us. I had such a sweet moment in the woods, in that hammock that day. And yes, it was convicting. And yes, I, you know, I had this heaviness about it. But at the same time, I'm like, God, just thank you so much for your grace. 
Because I am so broken and I am still in need of your grace just as much today as I was 10 years ago. And I left that hammock reminded of this simple statement that I used to tell myself on a regular basis. It was a statement that um, I actually picked up at a youth camp. Becca, you were at this youth camp. You might remember it. I'm pretty sure you were there. And, and it was a statement that, that I used to say on a regular basis, but, but somewhere along the line, I just stopped saying it. I stopped reminding myself of it. And, and maybe that's when, when that, that, that drift started to happen. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but, but that statement is actually going to be our big idea for today. And that statement is this. I am a kingdom worker. And I know it's simple. It's not that profound. Nobody sucked in air and <gasps> my mind is blown over that statement. Because it's not that profound. It's very simple. But isn't it oftentimes the simple things in life that just get repeated again and again that make the biggest difference in our life? And for me, this is one of those statements that used to help me keep my, my heart on track and keep me focused on the things that are important. I would wake up and say, man, I am a kingdom worker. And, and for some reason, I just stopped saying that. And, and, and now, looking back, I, I see what that brought. It brought selfishness. I wasn't getting my priorities straight. And, and so I don't want to single anybody out, but the reality is that this statement can truly only be said by the person who has placed their faith in Jesus. And so if you're here today and church is new to you, maybe you're here for the church, at, at church for the first time, and for you, Jesus is like this mythical kind of unicorn Santa Claus figure, I just want you to know that even if you can't say this statement about yourself, you are still so welcomed and still so loved here, and that you don't have to feel uncomfortable just because you might not be able to say this. This is one of those days where the message really is geared more for the person who has placed their faith in Jesus. So if that's not you, you have my permission today, just kind of sit back a little bit, relax and listen, and get a sneak peek into the life of a Christian. Because I attended church for a while before I actually placed my faith in Jesus. And, and, and I, I remember being uncomfortable when the pastor would say things that I knew didn't pertain to my life. And so I just want to like just, just ease the tension a little bit and let you know that if you're here and Jesus is like just this far out idea for you, you're still welcome, you're still loved, and you can just get a sneak peek into the life of a Christian today. So I hope you don't feel uncomfortable as we go through this. <laughs> Thank you. But for those of us who are here and have placed our faith in Jesus, I want to define this term for us because I don't want to get, get, send the wrong signal. But a kingdom worker is simply a follower of Jesus who intentionally lives out God's desires and agenda. So a kingdom worker is somebody who's placed their faith in Jesus and who lives on purpose. They live intentionally pursuing God's desires, his will, his agenda and plan. They're putting those things above their own. That, that's, that's what a kingdom worker is. And so if you're here today, my hope is, or you're watching online, my hope is that this simple statement would be said by us on a regular basis to remind us of our, ourselves of, of what our purpose really is and that it's not about us and our kingdom, but it is about God and his kingdom. Because I don't know about you, but I, I need this reminder in my life often. And so I hope that we would say that of ourselves and to each other. That, that's one of the hopes of today. And so this morning, we're going to revisit the Sermon on the Mount. 
And we're not going to read through the whole thing again, don't worry. We're just going to look at three references that Jesus makes to the kingdom of God. And then we're going to look at three attributes that are associated with those references. So three character traits that should shape the life of a kingdom worker. And the cool thing is Jesus actually makes six references to the kingdom of God in the Sermon on the Mount. We only have time to cover three. So if you have time this week, I would encourage you to, to, um, to go do a little bit of a study. And the, those other three references are on the back of your handout below the discussion questions. And just spend 10 or 15 or 20 minutes looking at those and looking at those other three references that Jesus makes to the kingdom and the attributes that he uh, associates with those. And my hope is that today, as we look at these three attributes, we would be able to use them as a type of backdrop to put our lives up against it and say, where does my life match up? Or or where am I drifting? And then along with those three attributes, we're going to ask ourselves uh, some heart questions. And these are questions that are designed to help us really examine our heart, not test our knowledge, not test our outward um, obedience, They're really used to help us examine our hearts. Say, where am I off? Where do I maybe need to confess and do some repenting? Or where where is my life lined up? So that's the hope for today as we look through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5 as we look at these three attributes of a kingdom worker. So at this point in Jesus' ministry, we have to remember that um, it's early on and his fame is increasing, his popularity is increasing, uh, crowds are starting to gather, and so Jesus goes up on this mountain. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The first attribute we see of a kingdom worker is humility. This is something that should shape the life of a kingdom worker. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And like looking through the keyhole of a door, Jesus just gives us a little glimpse into kingdom life. And he shows us, man, the ones that inherit the kingdom, the ones who are ushered into and receive the kingdom are not the ones who think they have it all together. Not like the Pharisees who are polished on the outside, but inwardly are like those tombs filled with bones. It's it's not about having it all together. Jesus says the ones who inherit, inherit the kingdom of heaven are those that are broken and spiritually poor. Those who are spiritually bankrupt and they realize I am in desperate need of God because I have absolutely nothing to offer. And it takes a great deal of humility to, with an honest heart, I'm not just talking about paying lip service like, yeah, I need God. No, but, but to really, with an honest heart, say, oh my goodness, my sin is too much. I, I can't do this. I am spiritually poor and Jesus, I need you. It takes a great deal of humility to get to that point. And so Jesus is pointing us to that, that those that inherit the kingdom of God are those that are poor in spirit and realize their need. Because the thing that depletes our spiritual bank account and renders us poor is sin. And mainly in this instance, it's pride. 
And as, as I was reading through this and studying through this, I cross-referenced it, and I ended up in this passage in James. You know, James was the half-brother of Jesus, and here's what he has to say on this topic of humility and pride. This is some heavy stuff. James says, but he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Those are some heavy words. And as I'm studying through this and praying through this, this, this question came to me, this heart question that I want to ask you again, to be used as a tool to examine our own hearts. I've been asking this of myself for weeks now. And it's this. When was the last time that I actually wept and mourned over my sin? Not when was the last time I got upset at somebody else about their sin. When was the last time that I actually looked at my own life and wept and mourned about the sins that I have committed against God? And when was the last time I humbled myself to the point that I realized I am so spiritually bankrupt without Jesus? Because here's the thing, I've been in the church for a little over 10 years now, and, and what I've noticed in my own life is that the longer that I'm in church, the easier it is for me to start thinking that I deserve God's grace. And I, and I know I would never say that openly, but my life has started to reflect that, and I did not like that. I've been following Jesus for a decade, man. I've been doing a lot of good things. I, I think I kind of deserve some of his grace. You know, when we start praying prayers like, God, why did this bad thing happen to me? That, that's, when, that, that's an indicator that, that we start to think we deserve God's grace. And so I'm processing through this. And if I were to honestly answer this question, it's been far too long since the last time I actually wept and mourned and humbled myself before God over the sins that I've committed. I've gotten a little bit too proud and a little bit too arrogant. I started to become a little bit like the Pharisees that we read about. He says, no, no, no. Your life should be marked by humility. Because the ones who are poor in spirit are the ones who inherit the kingdom. So as kingdom workers, we should be marked by this type of humility. That's the first attribute of a kingdom worker, is humility. Now let's jump over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read the Lord's Prayer to find our second attribute. Jesus, teaching his disciples how to pray, says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the second attribute of a kingdom worker is that a kingdom worker has a life of prayer. Their life should be marked by prayer. When we read verse 7, Jesus doesn't say, well, if you want to pray, go ahead and pray like this. Jesus says, when you pray, 
pray like this. It's expected that his followers, his disciples would pray. Because prayer was this, it was important to Jesus. It was integral to his life and it should be the same for us as his followers. We should have a life of prayer. And so here Jesus gives us this model prayer. And what we have to realize is that Jesus didn't have to say the things that he said in this example. I mean, he's Jesus. He could have ordered it however he wanted and he could have said whatever he wanted. And yet what we read is that his second petition in this prayer is your kingdom come. Starts off by saying, our Father in heaven. That's a sermon in itself. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. God set apart is your name. May your name be made famous above all other names. And then he says, your kingdom come. That's a second request in this model prayer. God, your kingdom come. And then he follows that with your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So God, in the same way that you are ruling and reigning in your heavenly kingdom, and in the same way that your will is being carried out in heaven, would it be carried out here on earth and in our lives? That's this model prayer that Jesus gives us. And as I read that and I look at my prayer life, I'm like, oh my goodness, I get that backwards so often. Jesus, God, help me to have patience with my kids this morning because they are not eating their cereal the way that they should be. God, help my health. Help me sleep. Help me, help me, help. And I just get it backwards so often. And what that reveals to me is that I'm actually more concerned about my comfort and my kingdom than I am about his. And I read this and I'm convicted because I'm like, oh, for so long I've been getting it backwards. My prayers should be more like Jesus's prayers because he makes it so clear that even our prayer life should announce the supremacy of his kingdom. And I don't know about you, I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me personally, I get that backwards. My kingdom is superior to his, according to my prayer life. Although you meet me in the lobby or we talk and you know, I would never say that, But as I examine my life, it's like, wow, I am way off. So I'm going through this, and the second question that comes to mind is similar to the first one that I started the message with, with, and it's this. If God were to answer my prayers from this past week, whose kingdom would benefit the most? If you think about that, you just, if you could kind of imagine laying out your prayers from just this past week, your prayer requests, like that image we saw earlier of a scale, if you were to put the prayers that were for your kingdom on one side, and then the prayers that were for God's kingdom on the other side, whose would benefit the most? And I think it's important for us to answer this question because the answer to this question is going to reveal where our focus is. It's going to reveal where our heart is. And as I've mentioned, for me, over the past couple of weeks, it's revealed that, man, my kingdom would benefit so much more than his. And I hate that about myself. I hate how selfish I've become in this. Because my focus wasn't on God's kingdom. My focus was on me. So I hope that you take the time to, to really think about this question and ask it for yourself. If God were to answer my last prayer request from this, from this week, whose kingdom would benefit the most. So the second attribute of a kingdom worker is that we should have 
a life of prayer. And this third one ties into it because we have to make sure that our prayer life is prioritized. And the third attribute of a kingdom worker is that we prioritize appropriately. Whether that's in our prayer life or in our just everyday life. That we get our priorities straight. So look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33. This is a powerful, just one verse statement. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He lays out the priorities for us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be taken care of and added to you. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, primarily it means that we seek first the salvation that is inherent in the kingdom. Because the salvation of our souls is so much more valuable than any worldly riches. So we're to seek God and to pursue Him first. To fill our thoughts with His desires. To fill our minds with His desires. To put His plan and His agenda even above our own. And then we pattern our life after the righteous life of Jesus. That's what it means. Jesus is saying, look, seek first God and His kingdom. Everything else will be added to you. In this, in this passage, we, we didn't read it, but he's, he's, he's talking. He said, look at the birds in the, of the sky. You know, they don't sow, they don't store food into barns, and, and God takes care of them. They're not worried about their food. Look, look at the grass and the flowers. Even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like any of these. And if that grass is here one day and gone tomorrow, like, why are you worrying about your clothes? And just trivial things that God knows that you need. I don't know about you, but I often worry about things that I know God doesn't want me to worry about. Because he's already, gotten, he's already got it covered. We can so easily waste away our lives worrying about things that won't matter a month from now, let alone a thousand years from now. And so Jesus is teaching us, hey, just get your priorities straight. Seek first the kingdom of God. All that other stuff will be taken care of. It takes faith to live like that. And that's what we're called to. This is an attribute. This is a character trait that should shape our lives. That we have our priorities straight. I think we've all met people um, who are on both sides of the spectrum with this. You know, we meet people who are far more worried about the numbers in their bank account than they are about the number of disciples they've made they're far more concerned about their retirement plan than about the legacy that they're going to leave behind when they die. A retirement plan is only going to do you good up until the day you die. And then what? Your legacy will live on so much longer than that. And we meet people that, that, that that's just what they tend to focus on is, is worldly things. And then we meet other people who they just seem to give themselves away in service. People like Pastor Frank, who we're celebrating today, who go that extra mile, who are constantly sharing their faith with people, opening up their homes, sharing meals. You know, and you look at those two people, and, and I don't know about you, but I wonder, like, man, what's, what's the difference? Because this person is no better than this person. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized this person simply just has their priorities straight. It's God first, other people second, Self third. 
how easy it is to flip those around. Myself first, God can be second, and since I'm an introvert and I don't really like people, they'll be third or maybe fourth, right? And we can just flip those things around, and when that happens, man, it just wreaks havoc on our life. And Jesus is saying, no, no, get your priorities straight. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be taken care of. You don't have to worry about all those trivial things. And so here we just have three simple character traits, attributes of kingdom workers. And this third one, as I was going through, I was asking myself this last question, this heart question, to evaluate whether or not I'm really seeking God's kingdom or my kingdom. Where do I spend the majority of my time, energy, and resources? Have you ever honestly answered that question? This one had me hunched over pretty good. This one was hard. Where do I spend the majority of my time, energy, and resources? Because the answer to this question will again reveal whose kingdom you're really more concerned about, your own or God. Because again, as I, as I answered this, my answer is, man, I've been spending a lot more time on me than I have on God and his kingdom. And again, I did not like that about myself. I hate that about myself. So that's why this, mess, this series has messed me up so much because I've spent so much time confessing and repenting and realizing, oh my goodness, I am so messed up. God's still working on me and I'm so grateful for his grace in my life. And so I don't know how God has used this series in your life, but I pray that he uses this series and this message in a powerful way and that you would go home and really evaluate your life and, and, and honestly say, Man, am I really for God's kingdom or am I more for my kingdom? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste away my life. I realize that I have a limited number of breaths And there is coming a day where I'm going to stand before God. And I don't know if we're going to be able to look back on our life in that moment, but I do not want to look back and regret anything. Say, man, I I spent so many years just selfishly seeking my own kingdom, making sure that when I could retire, I, I could live a comfortable life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person I don't want to be remembered as somebody who just played it safe. Because there is a world outside of this room that is so far from Jesus and so in need of his grace. And we have the awesome opportunity as his people to point them to the only source of hope in this universe, and that is Jesus. To walk alongside them and say, I am just as broken as you, but let me tell you about Jesus. The one who has been working on me for quite some time and will continue to work on me. Will you walk with me through this? Because look, it's so easy to come here and to play church. To show up here on Sunday mornings because that's the thing that you have done. I don't want that to be said about me and about us. Prescott is in need of Jesus and he wants to use us to make an impact here. That's why we say we want to be a church for Prescott, not just a church in Prescott. 
We want to be a church for the world, not just a church in the world, because there are people who are so far from Jesus. And God wants to use broken people like us to bring about his kingdom and his will. So I want to give us a, a couple of next steps to help us process this and, and, and pray through this um, in the coming weeks. So the first next step that we have, I might need you to flip through these for me because my remote is down again. So the first next step that we have as we process and pray through this is to set an alarm for 6.10 p.m. to remind us to pray Matthew 6.10. So you simply set an alarm for 6.10 p.m. And hopefully that alarm will remind us to pray this simple yet powerful prayer. God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we have to realize is that when we pray the second part of this, your will be done, we're offering up ourselves, saying, God, the primary way that you accomplish your will here on earth is through people, your people. So I'm offering up myself, God, your kingdom come and use me in accomplishing your will here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Could you imagine the impact that that could have if, I don't know, however many hundreds of people that will be here today, if we in unison pray this for the next week? Believing that God can show up and will show up and do amazing things. So that's the first next step. Pray with me at 6, 10 p.m. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second next step that we can do is to daily remind yourself and someone else that we are kingdom workers. Again, very simple reminder. I know I need it in my life. And it's, it's powerful to remind yourself. I think it's even more powerful to remind somebody else. So I might shoot John Bundy a text this, this week and say, John, you probably have a lot of eye surgeries going on this week. But I just, want, I just want to remind you, we are kingdom workers. We're not going to our job just to collect a paycheck. We're not going to go get a haircut just to get a haircut. We're not going to the dentist just to get our teeth drilled. We have a purpose. And God might use me in the seat of that salon to point my hairstylist to Jesus. God could use John in those eye surgeries to point those people to Jesus, whatever it is. Because being a kingdom worker doesn't mean we have to go out and do some big grand thing like raise $10 million for some organization. It's oftentimes just the very simple things that God is calling us to do. Just living out intentionally. It's a parent praying for their kid rather than screaming at them. It's, it's, you know, just an example of my own life. It was, it was Scott coming into my office as I was struggling to put this message together. I just hear this little tap on the window. Hey man, can I come in and pray with you? That was the highlight of my week to have my boss come in and actually take time and pray with me. And so being a kingdom worker, it might, it's not as hard as it sounds. It's just being intentional. And so that's the second thing. Remind yourself, remind somebody else that we are kingdom workers. And the third thing to do this week is to honestly answer today's three heart questions and then repent where it's needed. Those three heart questions that are on your handout, just honestly answer those. Take some time this week to sit down. Don't multitask while doing this. You won't accomplish it, I promise. Just just sit down and honestly answer these questions. Because they will reveal where your focus is, whose kingdom you're really more concerned about, your, your own or God's. 
And that's what I've been doing, and, and it's been difficult, and it's not easy to come up here and to like spill out all my, my selfishness. But man, just within the last three or four weeks, God has already been doing a work in my life. And I pray and I hope that you guys would want to experience that. And so what we're going to do right now as we close this service is I want to actually give you time to do this. Even if you don't have all three questions answered right now, I want to give you time to come before God and just confess and repent Because I think that there is power in doing that, especially in a a church-wide scale. So these next couple minutes are just going to be time for you to come before God with a broken and contrite heart and say, God, search my heart. Point out any wicked ways in me. So you could do this as a family. You could do this individually. You can sit right where you're at. I would invite you to even come up and kneel right up here. I'll be kneeling up on stage. I think our body posture plays a lot into our heart posture as we come before God. And just offer up your life to him and repent where it's needed. The band's just going to play some instrumental music for, for a minute or so, and then I'll close with a prayer before we get to our last worship song. But this is your time between you and God. Just come and, and confess and repent and to thank him for his grace in our lives. Father, we come before you as broken people in desperate need of your grace. Father, we confess that we can do no good thing apart from you. 
God, we ask for forgiveness for the times that we make it more about us than about you. Forgive us of the times that we come to church out of habit and are more worried about what we're going to eat afterwards than about the people that we'll have a conversation with afterwards. Help us to get our priorities straight. Because it is all about your kingdom. There's coming a day when we're going to take our last breath here and we're going to be spending eternity somewhere. Either with you or apart from you. So I pray for the person who who has yet to taste your goodness. God, that even right now you would draw their heart to you and that they would come to you with a broken heart, repenting and seeking you, that they would offer up their lives and surrender to you. God, help us to remember our purpose. It's not about us. It's about you. Forgive us of the times that that we messed that up. God, we genuinely genuinely want to be people that are for you and that can honestly pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So keep us humble. God, we thank you for your grace and your goodness and that you started a good work in us and will be faithful to complete it. So thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. I pray that we would be changed as we leave here today, more in love with you, more focused on you, realizing that our lives are so much more than collecting paychecks, so much more than comfort. Remind us that we are living for you, And what a privilege that is. As we come before you in worship, Lord, help us to sing these words with grateful, thankful hearts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.